0: Welcome back to ABC Gotham, your New York City amateur podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen. With me, as always, is Kate. Hey, everyone. Today, we are up to letter P already. I can't believe we are more than halfway through the alphabet. And what is our topic today, Kate?
1: Today's a pretty dark one. Today, we're going to be talking about the prison ships that were in Wallabout Bay. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you'll actually hear a lot of some of the same characters and areas that we've been talking about. For a while now. Um, I've even got mm-hmm. some Stanford White coming up
0: in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Who could forget Stanford White? Yep, yep. And what else? What else? All About Bay. Why does that sound familiar, Kate?
1: Well, if you just listen to our podcast on the Navy Yard, you'll know the area we're talking about in this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's Wallabout mm-hmm. Bay is just where you
0: come into the Navy Yard if you're coming in from the East River.
2: Mhm mhm
0: yeah and that is that is why they built the Navy Yard there it's, it was a, a natural place for ships to come in and go out of and as it turns out for the british to keep their prison ships so let's get the show started kate uh what do you how how do we start how did this even happen what's 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 it about
1: well y- y- after the re- british had actually been using prison ships they they were pretty popular with the British governments in the 18th and 19th centuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You've got ships that are kind of falling apart. They're not good mm-hmm. to go into battle. So, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with them? Why? If, your if you don't have overrun. a bunch of
0: prisons. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Your prisons are overrun. So, you're just going to use them to mm-hmm. put thousands and thousands of people on them. Usually. The pen. The, yeah, exactly. Usually, they put them on the ships. To await transport, like, Mm -hmm. to go, you know, Australia, wherever they're going to send you Mm -hmm. to a penal colony. But during this war, they're just kind of moored off the coast. They're also, um, this is not just a New York thing, it's mostly the the most horrendous conditions are here, but they also were off the coast of South Carolina as well. They Mm had a few prison ships there.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You were actually lucky if you were... Kathleen, I think you would probably hope to be an officer. That would be pretty sweet, because (laughs) then you would actually be put in a boarding house or a tavern as your prison.
0: Isn't that interesting, that the higher level you are as a prisoner of war, they still defer to your authority on some level, you know?
1: Yeah, I figured they just kind of throw everyone together, but no, really, the common foot soldier... And actually, an in, in amazing number, about a third of the prisoners on the prison ships were civilians and not even mm. involved well, in the war. Well, then what
0: border. the heck? Well, how did they, what was it about?
1: Well, I mean, if you don't want to pledge allegiance to the crown, then ah. you're obviously a traitor and therefore a prisoner of war. So you're going, you're going on to the Jersey, which oh we'll God. get into that ship later, which its passengers nicknamed Hell. Mm. So, Kathleen, can you bring us up to speed on w- how the war was going
0: in New York? Absolutely. At yes. the time? So, so the, obviously, the, the prison ships and the, and the prison ship martyrs, this is the Revolutionary War that we're talking about, when um, we had signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, and eventually all hell broke loose. So the Britons weren't having it and came here to you know, take their land back from the rebels. So this was 1776. The uh, This was a bad battle, and you all heard about the Revolutionary War in history class. We're not going to go too much into all of those details, but just in terms of like New York-specific situations, what was going on was um, the prison ships really came into use. They really, you know, the British started taking major Huge amounts of prisoners of war right around the time of the Battle of Long Island, which is really sort of the, it was the first major battle following the signing of the Declaration of Independence. This was the largest one of the entire conflict, and this was on August 27th of 1776. It's the Battle of Long Island. This is also known as the Battle of Brooklyn, or the Battle of Brooklyn Heights. British won, you know, uh, spoiler alert, we we did not win that first battle. It was decisively for the British. This is the one where General Washington, very clever, under the cover of darkness, realizing that he is not going to win this, retreated from Brooklyn Heights into Manhattan. So this was 300 U.S. soldiers were killed, about 700 were wounded, 1,000 were captured and we're gonna hear what happened to them um and the reason that the british won this so decisively is uh you know a a military maneuver where there was the initial attack um this was at uh, something called guan heights g-u-a-n heights which is sort of a ridge of hills in brooklyn that extends from uh what today we call bay ridge up through to an area in Prospect Park where there's actually a couple of plaques and some interesting areas in there to commemorate this. He attacked, you know, face-to-face like you usually do, but the bulk of his army came around from behind and attacked the flank of the Americans, uh. and the Americans were like, shit, we did not see that coming. Um, people from Maryland are very proud that a Maryland contingent of 400 soldiers soldiers stood their ground and prevented a lot of, uh, of American soldiers from being captured, but it's still, um, we still did not win that battle. So, uh, the first shots of that battle were fired near, um, the Red Lion Inn, that was a, a building back then, that is near today, what we have today, 39th Street and 4th Avenue, and that's in Bay Ridge. And, uh, it was as soon as this, this first decisive battle ended that the British started, Bringing on the ships and uh, taking on their prisoners.
1: Or I feel like we should take a Revolutionary War bike ride.
0: Through, yeah, through
1: Bay Ridge. I think that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, it would. Although, it's there's gonna be a lot of hills, and it's gonna be a tough bike ride, as all.
1: Yeah, I think we can do it. Yeah. Well, as Kathleen said, you know, we're talking at, at least a thousand prisoners of war and mm-hmm. at the time you have the you have a few something called the new jail which is the big new jail in manhattan which held
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this is really packing all the corners you have 800 prisoners being held there mm-hmm. uh, and actually that i think that started its life as a debtor a debtor's prison so it's not mm. really even set up for long-term prison i mean after this, it becomes just a regular prison, you know, anything mm-hmm. goes, whoever gets arrested mm-hmm. going there. But, you know, they also, I mean, the British, I mean, they do try for a while to find places to put all these massive numbers of prisoners they're getting. They start taking mm-hmm. over sugar houses, which are where sugar was refined and stored. Mm-hmm. Uh They took a couple church. The Middle and North Dutch churches were also used mm-hmm. as prisons. Mm-hmm. And you you just run out of space, and,
0: mm-hmm. and in the sugar the,
1: houses, those are just
0: factories. That that was just empty space that they poured people into, right?
1: Exactly, and you have a lot of these ships which are being decommissioned by the Royal Navy,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're just sitting there. And they already had this common practice of using prison ships, so why not just start piling prisoners on them? At some We've point, got them, yeah. yeah, exactly. At some point during the war. Not all at once, but at least 20 ships were used as prison ships. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the period between 1776, as Kathleen said, Mm -hmm. straight through to 1783. So that's quite a bit of time. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure there were any prisoners that lasted that were arrested in 1776 and lasted till the prisoners were freed.
0: Yeah, yeah. When, When Kate gets into describing the conditions... Yeah, it would surprise me if anyone survived that for anything longer than a year.
1: Well, to start at the top of the food chain, the people in charge of kind of the prison system, the prison ships Mm -hmm. as well as the prisons in New York, are completely corrupt, completely. You have Provost Mm -hmm. Marshal William Cunningham, who after the war confessed to murdering 2,000 Americans by starvation, hanging, and he actually poisoned the flour rations with
0: arsenic. Unbelievable. And he knew he was doing that the whole time. That's what kills me when I, I I read that. and like you you knew you were killing people by starvation. It's well, it's, not
1: just that it's the poison that that really yeah and, gets and me.
0: that he was very proactive about killing them with yeah. poison in the flower was like, was like all right, I guess not it's not quite, quite so unbelievable enough. that he was killing them with starvation now, yeah, yeah,
1: you've also got the commissary Joshua Loring, who hmm. makes a ton of money. Just selling the provisions that are supposed to go to mm. prisoners, actually selling mm-hmm. them during wartime to make a profit. So between the so two, so they of actually them, had
0: set aside provisions; they actually intended for them to to have food. Well, yeah,
1: because they're oh, okay. they're prisoners of war. Uh, I I imagine that there's money set aside to buy them provisions, mm-hmm. and this guy's just turning it around and keeping the profit.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, oh my God! So all, as we said, all of these ships were in Wallabout Bay. And Mm -hmm. it must have been a very, I can't imagine the sight. The, some of the names of the ships are a a little, some of them, you know, you have the Scorpion, the Mm -hmm. Falmouth, the Hunter, but then some are called like the Hope, and my favorite, Stromboli. Stromboli. (laughs) Stromboli. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So some of them sound like, I'll go to the Hope. The ship, which I have already mentioned, is the Jersey, which the Jersey. prisoners who made it off just nicknamed it Hell.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The
1: conditions you could expect on the Jersey, as well as the other ship, don't expect any fresh air at all. The ship mm-hmm. is completely locked down. No sunlight. Mm-hmm. It, would, it could you could be on your entire time on the ship could be never seeing sunlight. <sighs> if you did see sunlight, it's because two people at a time. Mm-hmm. of thousands that are on this ship the two people at a time are allowed on deck to relieve themselves at a time what? but of, of thousands so you can imagine exactly what squalor men were living in
0: yeah below people are going to relieve themselves no matter what
1: yeah you wow. have um one man who actually escaped one of the prison ships not the jersey huh. but He escaped. His name is Robert Mm -hmm. Sheffield. He escaped in seven Well, he... In 1778, he told his story, and it was printed in the Connecticut Gazette. His quote Mm -hmm. says, The heat was so intense that the hot sun shining all day on deck, they were all Mm -hmm. naked, which also served the well to get rid of vermin, but the sick were Uh eaten up alive. Uh Their sickly countenances... The and ghastly looks were truly horrible, some swearing and blaspheming, others crying, praying, and wringing their hands, and stalking about like ghosts. Others, delirious, raving, and storming, all panting for breath, some dead and corrupting. The air was so foul that at times a lamp could not be kept burning, by reasons of which the bodies were not missed until they had been dead for ten days. Ah. So every morning you had um, the prison guards come through, saying, "Toss out your dead." Uh, but uh, can you imagine? It's just so dark; it smells so bad that you mm-hmm. don't know that the guy that you're smashed up against has been dead for ten days.
0: You don't even know. Unbelievable. It's,
1: it's completely surreal. At its at its height, the Jersey mm-hmm. had the the highest number, uh, the highest death rate. They had mm. at least eight corpses every day. Oh. And to give you just a little bit of background, it's kind of strange. The HMS Jersey was actually um, commissioned during peacetime for England in 1736. Hmm. So by the mm-hmm. time we're talking about now, it's the ship's about 40 years old or so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, not too terribly old, I feel, but she'd already served in several wars. And mm-hmm. in 1771, she wasn't uh, fighting anymore. She was actually a hospital ship. Okay. And it wasn't until 1776 when we start needing these prison ships that the turnover happens and she becomes Mm -hmm. this terrible ship that thousands Mm -hmm. of, there's literally thousands of men below deck, and men died from torture, they died from no provisions, like, just, they would go days without food, dehydration, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if you got sick, that was it.
0: yeah you yeah.
1: pretty much weren't going to make it. Um, I read some story about how men were still alive and thrown above, overboard, which may be how our uh, Robert Sheffield got Possibly. overboard.
0: Yeah, yeah. As horrific as it sounds on board, you know, maybe getting thrown off is opportunity.
1: Right. You also have um. so when the bodies are come up when the dead are brought out. Prisoners mm-hmm. are forced to take uh, they're they're kept on rope, but they're forced mm-hmm. to take the bodies to the shore of Wallabout Bay, and they're only able to barely bury them in the sand. And we'll get to those bodies a little bit later. But mm-hmm. can you imagine these ill, malnourished, dying people having to take these bodies and do their best to try to bury them?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's it's a a former comrade on some level, probably, and, oh my god, unbelievable.
1: It's, yeah, it's amazing. You also have, you know, cholera, smallpox, Mm -hmm. malaria going through the ships.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Going through, like, wildfire. I mean, you know, you're all breathing the same air sitting right on top of each other. It's impossible not to.
1: Yeah, if you go back to our episode on Contagion and listen to some of what would have made you sick... Mm-hmm. There's just nothing on this ship that would prevent you from getting sick. There's yeah,
0: everything we talked about in Contagion is on these ships. It's it, all it's, there.
1: It's I can't believe, really. I can't believe anyone made it out alive. In the mm-hmm. end, more Americans died on these ships due to neglect and es- essentially neglect mm-hmm. than during every battle combined. Every battle combined during the Revolutionary War, about forty-five hundred men died in battle, and on the ships, 11,500 people died.
0: More than double. Exactly. Oh my
1: god. So, yeah, like I said, civilians are aboard, um, Mm -hmm. which is completely unbelievable. You also have Mm -hmm. American privateers. At the time, there's no navy, so private citizens volunteer their ships kind of to become the navy. Mm. And so you have American privateers. And if you were captured by the Royal Navy, you had a choice. You can either join up with the Royal Navy
2: hmm. and
1: essentially fight against your comrades or go to the prison ships. So
0: mm-hmm. then you
1: have thousands of more people going to the prison ship. Also, and we that's have-
0: certain death. I mean, certain death or fight for England. And right. so many people went to the ships. that That's astonishing to me.
1: It's amazing. Uh you also of course have spies, which we're mm. gonna get to a spy by the end of this podcast. I I put a little teaser up on Facebook a while ago, so you'll mm-hmm. hopefully you're you're still remembering that there's a spy hidden in this mix. Mm-hmm. So actually at the end of the war, when the British leave, they leave eight thousand people on these boats. <sighs> They're just kind of left there to die. Uh, I would think that the war's over. We lost. Let's release our prisoners. War. No, they just kind of leave, and the people are left on board.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Uh, and you know, bodies all along the shore of Wallabout Bay. It's a it's a big disaster to clean up. Mm-hmm. And the bodies, the bones, and the bodies are just kind of left in Wallabout Bay. They're. Mm-hmm. As we talked about before, the area was privately owned, and mm-hmm. a few churches were fighting to get in to get the bodies, mm-hmm. but no, but they, someone's w- land, they were not yeah. allowed to go in, they were not allowed to dig up the bodies at, at the end of the war, and uh, that that just makes me... You think me... the
0: people who owned the land would want those bodies out of there, right?
1: I would think so, but... I would think so. Eventually, they do get their way, and mm-hmm. you that's when you have the <clears throat> over here in Fort lovely Fort Green Park, which I bet you didn't actually know is a cemetery, Kathleen wait,
0: wait, go on what wait,
1: the bones what? that were pulled out of Wallabelt Bay were mm-hmm. brought to Fort Green Park and buried under the monument, and they're still there they're still bones under the monument,
0: huh. Like all of them, or like a representative sample? Or? I think
1: what from what I could get, it's like it, it, it seems essentially like a big crate full of a bunch of bones. Oh my uh, God. Some of the is bodies, I'm sure, huge. washed away. Some of the bodies mm-hmm. could still be in Wallabout Bay.
2: Huh. Essentially,
1: whatever they could get is mm-hmm, what's in mm-hmm. Fort Greene Park. Some bodies were disinterred and buried elsewhere.
2: Mm-hmm. The ones
1: I guess they could identify, but just when they had bones left over, you, they they felt the need to really, to have a memorial for this mm-hmm. sacrifice. Sure. Um, and well, before we get too far into that, I do want to let mm-hmm. you know about some of the famous prisoners from these prison ships that actually made it. Well, one of them made it out alive. Huh. Oh, all right. We have James Fortin, who is a famous African-American abolitionist, uh, mm-hmm. born free and is from Philadelphia. He mm. actually served as one of those privateers I mentioned a little while ago. I see. But only 15 years old. What? Oh my
0: God.
1: He he's He's actually, I really recommend looking into his history. He's got, I don't want to go into all of it here, but he's got a really amazing history. He makes like the top 100 list of influential and powerful African Americans in America in American history huh. um, mm-hmm. definitely one of the most wealthy for his time
2: hmm does
1: some really amazing things he actually was sent to the Jersey because his ship was captured but because he was friends with the captain uh, normally he actually would have been sold into slavery uh, but because he's friends with this captain he's Sent to the Jersey. But he does make it out alive. Wow. Um, Our other famous prisoner, I don't have a name for because nobody knows who she is. There were women on board, yeah. What? Definitely.
0: Oh my god. Think of those
1: civilians who wouldn't pledge allegiance to the crown. Some of those were Mm -hmm. definitely women. And you had a few women spies who were... Put aboard these prison ships, and one of them is our famous Agent 355.
0: Agent 355, okay.
1: She's a member of George Washington's Culver Ring, which is a spy network in New York. There was huh. actually a spy ring that they had that what? they wore. <sighs> we only know her by her code name, and pretty much everything else is supposition. Uh, lots of people have studied the history and tried to piece together who she was Mm -hmm, she definitely mm -hmm. existed she was a spy in this ring and they think she was a member of an important tory family and that she she is actually the this agent is possibly the one that passed along info that exposed benedict arnold as a traitor so she's she's really actually pretty important
0: so wait, if she's Tory, then she's on the side of the British,
1: right, so she's going against okay. her family, okay, wow, pretty amazing, so she's in the high she's in the upper echelon of society, I guess, mm-hmm. and she's okay. turning against everything she knows to be a spy for George Washington. Oh my God, another member of the Tory of I'm sorry, another member of the uh the Culver ring. Mm-hmm. Is, um, Robert Townsend and everyone, and they think that she was possibly his lover and that she was pregnant when she <gasps> was taken to the Jersey. Whoa. She, she supposedly died on board, but the baby survived somehow. Whoa. I don't actually know how a baby would have survived on board.
0: Uh-uh, yeah.
1: But the son, Robert Townsend Jr., who everyone, mm. who they think is Agent 355's son, Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually involved in the first incarnation of the prison ship martyr's monument in Fort Greene Park really? so it's a little oh. like it kind of it kind of ties up but yeah. it's not we don't really know all of this like we we don't know too much but she did uh there is a
0: comic book character named after her she's pretty fascinating what oh my god wow there's so much to this <laughs>
1: I know. There's like a... I love... There's this one story that we're telling, the prison ships, but there's Mm -hmm. so many interesting little stories coming
0: off of it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On a somewhat related issue, I do know that there were women who were working to help people escape from the prison ships. Have you heard of of, of any of these? I have a bit, but go ahead. All right. In fact, there is a play coming up soon uh that i'll tell you about in a minute but what i know is that uh, elizabeth burgeon elizabeth burgeon do you have that name
1: yeah i do i think that's right
0: um this is in the winter of 1779 incidentally i'll we'll talk about this winter in a minute because it was bad uh she defied new york city's british occupiers and helped hundreds of patriots escape from prison ships anchored in Wallabout Bay, there was a bounty on her head. The British knew she was doing this and wanted her, and so she fled the city. And um, this play that's coming up tells a story about three women who took her in and hid her so uh, so that she could not be taken by the British, but just that anyone would be able to help people escape, and especially so many, hundreds of them, is astonishing, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the winter, that winter, of 1779 to 1780, was one of the worst on record. They called it the, the Little Ice Age. It snowed almost every single day from November to March.
1: Oh, Constantly. I really hope we don't have a winter like that this year. I
0: hope we don't either, and all of the waterways were frozen solid. You could actually walk from Manhattan to Staten Island, so... This is when the prison ships were in full swing And these people did not have coats They -hmm. didn't have heaters And they were dying by the minute And that this woman was able to risk her life And I imagine walk across the ice To help people escape Is astonishing So we'll give you some more information About a a play about this That is coming up this fall But uh, yeah Amazing amazing heroism there
1: yeah imagine all these prisoners, like we said before, naked, mm-hmm I mean, obviously, the air quality's so bad you can't get a candle to light mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure a part of this neglect or that they're saying that people died of is just mm. freezing to
0: death, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, even huddling together, you know it's not gonna help when no. when it's the the worst winter on record.
1: So after the end of the war in 1783, as I was talking before, there's a prison ship martyrs memorial in Fort Greene Park. And I've actually Mm. lived in the Fort Greene-Clinton Hill area for a long time. And it took me about 10 years to figure out what that monument was (laughs) for. Oh,
0: for shame. I know. (laughs) And
1: I I think I heard rumors about Mm. some kind of Revolutionary War mass you know, mass murdering. And I have no idea what they were talking about, and they mm-hmm. said prison ships. I, you know, I heard a lot of different stories, and it wasn't until we really sat down to research this that I act- was able to find a lot more about this. And they have a lot of info over at the Brooklyn Navy Yard on this, so
0: mm-hmm, I recommend
1: going to, is it Building...
0: 92.
1: Building 92, so mm-hmm. definitely everyone go check that out. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they were this area in Wallabout Bay, 1783, where the Brooklyn Navy Yard goes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is really rural. Nobody goes there.
2: <laughs>
1: they, it's it's completely out of the way. It's not like now where you have you know Brooklyn, Manhattan. Manhattan no. is so sparsely populated at the po- at that point. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of different um, factions fighting about what the monument should be. Mm-hmm. You get the Tammany Society involved, of course, and of course. You know, it all turns into a really, really big mess. But by 1808, yeah. uh, a small building has, with an e- there's like an eagle mounted on the top, and mm. uh, the bodies are moved down there. And mm. the inscription says, Portal to the tomb of 11,500 Patriot soldiers who died in dungeons and prison ships. In and about the city of New York during the Revolution, oh. so it really takes about a hundred years. A hundred years later, in mm. 1908, we have the final dedication of the monument, Jeez. which is, you know, designed by our favorite Stanford White of Mead, White right. and White,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's finally it's pretty much what you see now. I I believe at the bottom of the stairs there used to actually be an entrance into the tomb. Oh. But if you go from the Myrtle Avenue side, but if you go to the Myrtle Avenue side of Fort Green Park now, you can mm-hmm. just see stairs, like there's no entrance. But I have right. actually seen an entrance on the side of the hill, which I've always wondered huh. what it was for, and I figure it was for...
2: Uh, electricity,
1: or, yeah. you know, whatever. But now I'm like, ah, oh, but that's how you get down into the tomb. There, yeah. so there's apparently a staircase and an elevator to get you down there. They don't know how many bodies are actually in there because it's mostly, like I said, a pile of bones. Oh God, that's so sad. It's really sad. Uh, in I, I oh, this is it. When 2008, when was when I went to, they had it rededicated, and Mm -hmm. it had been cleaned up. There had been some graffiti on it. It Mm. had been cleaned up. Um, One of our favorite people, Marty Markowitz, was there for Mm -hmm. the lighting of the torch at the top of the monument. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. So it's it's actually a really nice monument, and it's half a block from where I'm sitting now, so now I'm a little (laughs) creeped out by the 11,000 bodies down the street.
0: Well, it's not all eleven thousand, though, right? A lot of them washed away. A lot of them are still wall about Bay. So, right? But, they uh, actually, but yeah, the nine thousand or so. Yeah, I don't blame. Yeah, you for being just a apparently,
1: big. there's, um, there are twenty sleet boxes down there. Each one is two feet by two feet by seven feet, mm. and each of these has bone fragments. So,
0: unbelievable! Can you imagine? Oh we my don't God. even know
1: how many. People that actually represents, but that's it's yeah. quite quite a a number. It's yeah. amazing. They do actually list um, the uh, the the known martyrs, like the people they definitely know died mm-hmm. on board, and mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. possibly. How, could be I mean, at the bottom. They didn't. Did they even have records of like people's names and like people they reporting do. who they, went missing, they must, was or even really away? To they
1: must have. Kept list of who was on the ships. Like, you know, yeah. you go to court, you're found guilty, you go to the prison Prisoner ship. So docket or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some bodies must have been identified. So yeah. there is a, a list of um at least eight thousand people that you can okay. see.
0: Oh my god. Oh so dark. God. Is dark it period, lit up? That torch at the top.
1: It is every night. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not during the day, but yes. Yeah. It's, it's lit up every night. I could look out my window now and see it if I wanted, but I'm a little scared. Yeah, a dark
0: <laughs> a dark period in New York City history. Very dark. Yeah, yeah, extremely dark. And I'm sure, you know, when we had plenty of British prisoners and yes. you know, I, I can't tell you what we did to them, if anything, and it probably wasn't pleasant either, but it's oh there's it We gave horrifying. them food and it's blankets. Horrifying. Did we? I don't know. You would like to think that, wouldn't you?
1: Yes, and hot chocolate uh, and cold yeah. on the, in that in that terrible winter.
0: Yeah, we gave them hot toddies. Yes, yes. Yeah, and tea, because they, cause they really wanted to drink tea. I'm sure we were really, really nice to our British prisoners of war. I hope we were. I would like to have the moral high ground on this, but, uh, but we don't know.
1: Well, I know there weren't a lot of prisoner exchanges. They... George Washington was not really, didn't really, wasn't really in favor of exchanging um, British soldiers for American troops because he he kind of thought it would put his army at a greater disadvantage. Really, Uh, I did. I did. I think I read that in um, what's the book we've both been reading? Gotham. Gotham. Yeah. This the history of. The big History of New York book, yeah. I, and, it's a
0: doorstop. You've probably seen it in bookstores and libraries. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's been it's been a really big help.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Very so. good resource. Um, all right, well, if we've reached the end, I do want to go into what this play, it is called A History of Launching Ships. This is a new play by Avi Glickstein, uh, and it's about this Elizabeth Bergen and her flight from the British. And... Uh, It says, places her in the middle of a fantastical tale that echoes the gothic stories of Washington Irving. So, this was commissioned by Polybe and Seats and was written for the Brooklyn Navy Yard Center at Building 92. And it talks about these three women who take Burgeon and Um, It says, this description says, each woman seeks an escape from her own reality, and together they realize that the only way to freedom might be on a ship they build themselves. I will definitely be seeing this play. Uh, If you have any interest, go and see it. It is playing at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. This is actually the first theatrical production that they're doing at the Navy Yard. That's Um, amazing. It opens Thursday, October 11th. It plays through to Sunday, October 28th. So this is only in October. So so jump on it. Um, The performance it says on the the website here the performance will involve some walking and standing on the part of the audience I believe it's sort of you're walking around the Navy yard to to see this um, that sounds amazing they have ramps they have elevators available so um tickets are I believe let me scroll up and see if I can see the price tickets are eighteen dollars full price and um definitely go to the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Building 92 website for more information. It looks like it's going to be a really interesting, kind of scary, creepy, it says uniquely American ghostly tale. Uh, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, there are definitely going to be some... Did they When we were there last time, they did um, some night tours of the Navy Yard around Halloween, I think they were talking about. So mm. definitely watch the Brooklyn Navy Yard website when when mm-hmm. we took the tour they were kind of mentioning something about it. I know you can go into the hospital even that alone mm. would be kind of creepy.
0: Oh yeah, I think I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will definitely watch for that. That'll be on the uh, Facebook page when yeah. we see some announcements about that. Well, we'll
1: try to have a little bit more upbeat for you next time. But we hope you <laughs> enjoyed so. this um <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this podcast and you learned a little something that you may not have known. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's if you live in really really the-
0: important and really tragic of New York City history, but definitely definitely go online, check out some more information about it, visit Fort Greene Park, see the monument. It really is impressive. If I'm not mistaken, it's the tallest dork column in the nation. I think so. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Uh, but yeah, it's a great park. Come check it out. We have a wonderful farmer's market on the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little sad, but it's, it's definitely good to know about.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, something we shouldn't really forget about. Well, thank you very, very much, Kate. Yeah, thank you, Kathleen. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you learned something new, and we will talk to you next time. See you next time. Bye. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. The music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K2 production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. A favorite song, I wish you could be here with me On this in New York I wish you could be here with me On this night of New York City.